What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Born or Made podcast. Today, I've got a buddy on the show. His name is Keith Nowak. He is the CEO and co-founder of a brand that I love and have loved for, I think, as long as they've been around, for years. 10,000 is a men's fitness apparel brand. Their philosophy is basically, let's not make a bunch of shitty gear. Let's make a few things that are fucking awesome. And I'm here to tell you, as a massive user of the brand uh, and mega fan, and also part of the captain team of 10,000, they have done exactly that. Keith, welcome to the show. Thank you, man. Really appreciate the opportunity to chat and honestly couldn't have said it better myself. That's that's the essence of 10,000. So thank you, brother. Excited to be here. The idea of Born or Made is really to discuss the nature nurture question. There are far less entrepreneurs than there are regular people in the world. There are far less accelerated athletes than there are people that just play sports. I believe that Nature has something to do with people that rise to the top, people like you and people that inspire me and others. So what I do is I've had a really fun time so far in this podcast, being able to get people like you on the show to talk about that question, whether you think you were born with an innate ability or inherent ability to to get out there and, and, and drive and push like you have, or if it was something that was made over time through potentially adversity, grind, hustle. I think about this, this topic quite a bit, actually, you know, so I'm excited to dig in and, and, and chat on it because I feel like I'm, I have no special sauce whatsoever. Like, I feel like I'm just a dude, but we built some great stuff at 10,000 and that doesn't just happen. Right. So I've been, you know, thinking a lot about, you know, where this is all come from. My ability is to get here and beyond. So uh, it's a topic I'm, I'm, I'm pretty into. So I'm excited to dig into it, man. Well, I, you know, I, I also want to mention that you're an athlete as well. Less so these days, unfortunately, but yes. (laughs) Why don't you dive into your story with us? Uh, I I like to get to the, to the answer of this question potentially by, by starting with your story and then we can break off into a few other topics. I'll try to be brief so we can keep the time for the meat of the conversation, but I do think the, the context is, is interesting. So, um, Grew up in New Jersey, um, played soccer basically since I can remember. That's like literally all I did growing up. I just had this, I don't know, innate desire to play soccer, be an athlete. I mean, literally as far as I can remember, I, I wanted to be a professional soccer player. Like that's all I wanted to do. I was decent. Like I was good enough to be in the mix, you know, but I worked my ass off. Like I trained and, you know, going back to when I'm like, sixth, seventh, eighth grade high school. Like remember, you know, this might be sound a little insane, but I'll give you an example. Like I remember one New Year's Eve, right? I didn't go out with my buddies. I didn't go do anything. I was I was in high school. My parents went out, my sister went out with friends, did things, right? I went to the local school, you know, at midnight and I'm sitting there in the spotlight, kicking this ball off the wall, right? Just like juggling this ball in the middle of this parking lot. Like that's what I wanted to do. That's what that's like gave me everything. Right. And I just I just spent my entire existence obsessed with that one endeavor, you know, after high school, I had a chance to go to Italy and play third division for, for a team in, in, in Italy and third division there. I was like, this is, this is, the, this is the culmination of my life, man. I made it. This is, this is going to be me a professional footballer in Europe. This is going to be amazing. You know, I was 18 years old getting paid to play a sport and it was the coolest thing in my entire life, of course. Um, 
my friends say my life sort of peaked at 18. It's been downhill since. Uh, there's some truth in that, but um, I lasted a year and realized like, hell, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be anywhere near good enough to make it out of this, you know, this tier of, of football. And it's going to be like a long haul, long grind. So my whole sort of like world came crashing down, right? It's like everything I'd been doing my whole life was leading to that moment. And I had to, you know, the realization was like, you're not good enough, right? You're just, you're just, no matter how much you played, how much you practiced, how much you sacrificed, all the things you didn't do so you could train or be well-rested, right? whatever, it wasn't enough. Can you remember when that thought became real in your mind? End of the first season there, you know, I was talking to the team. I was like, all right, you know, I want to stick around. And they're like, yeah, for sure. Like, whatever was like, I had a chance to go do a trial with a team in the in, in the division above us in the second tier, right? Instead of third tier. I was like, well, this is where I'm going to be. Like, I'm going to go, right? And that was a disaster, like an utter disaster. And they were just like up front, like, yeah, this is it's not going to work. And we were driving back to the little house I was living in and being like, I don't know how to sort of process the fact that this is not going to proceed, you know, like this is not going to continue. And so went back, you know, was having to make the decision, come back and go to college. It was all kind of like a whirlwind. Went to college, went to Boston University. I did nothing. Like I didn't do, I didn't play soccer anymore. I didn't train anymore. You know, I was a year older than everybody else. I kind of had this like different life experience. I wasn't really kind of like clicking with my, you know, roommates, colleagues, whatever. Can I ask you one more, one question before you continue? So at this point, the wind had been taken out of your sails because of that experience. Do you think that you mentally had thrown in the towel at that point and you started to... I mean, you've been doing stuff, you know, like Muay Thai and running. Like, it's been part of your life for so long that it just feels like second nature, right? And so it didn't really hit me that soccer was no longer a part of my life until I was like at college and not doing it and having nothing to replace that, right? I remember, you know, freshman year being like super depressed. Being like, what am I supposed to do now? Like, what do I... Like, how do I exist in this world? What do I focus on? What do I do? Who do I hang out with? And it was this uh, really sort of like moment of self-reflection that, that, you know, I had to go through because everything I identified as was gone. Right. And it was uh, really kind of like a rebirth in some way. I was like this, this, that had to be jettisoned and let go of. And it wasn't, I mean, I'm not saying it was easy. Like it just took time and it was painful and that feeling of sort of restarting is kind of a pattern throughout my, my sort of background. Um, I'll kind of tell more about that, but it was the first time I had, I could have really addressed that feeling, but by no means the last. The reason why I'm trying to dig into this a little bit is because I believe we as human beings have a tendency to really put attention on negative self-talk and far more attention goes towards negative self-talk than, than positive thinking. And this is something that I think anybody listening to this podcast should actually fucking take a note on or, or really, really think about. I guarantee that you did not celebrate you playing fucking professional soccer. No, I didn't think about it. That's what I'm saying. That's the craziest thing of all, right? Like you've worked your whole childhood and then you get sent overseas to get paid to play the sport that you are madly in love with. And you probably did not celebrate for a fucking hour. I don't remember a moment being like, made it. Never, not even a moment of being like, yes, I did it. It was just like, 
next thing, next thing. All right, got to get ready for this. Got to think about that, right? And I think that's why the positives get lost, but the negatives are heightened because the negative is stop the trains moment, right? Where it becomes like very visceral how bad you are at a thing, right? And you have to reflect on it where the positive, at least for me, and I'm sure similar for you and most people, it just like check the box and move on, right? Because you're always looking to the next thing. It's not a good way to be like, right? Good by any means, but everybody I talk to who's been successful has that same response, right? Like whatever it may be. They're just like, yeah, move on to the next thing and set my yeah. next next sites, right? But it's a really interesting point, man. It's a really, really interesting way to think about it. Well, I, I will say, I, I will say this. So I have, uh, you know, my experience is, is actually interesting. Um, one thing I will say is I too never really uh, celebrated the wins uh, until recently um, when I started really thinking about this idea that life is long, life is not short. I agree. I think celebrating the wins is such an important thing to do. And, and some, some, you know, uh, some entrepreneurs or some super successful people will say uh, differently. I, I believe that celebrating the wins is such an important thing. And, and one other thing that I would say um, that I think is also very important. I spent years as a, as a, as a teenager and early twenties, really walking a bad path. Right. Like, and I experienced bouts with addiction in drugs and alcohol um, that affected me, my mental health for sure, even to this day. But I will say something that I, I remember as a young kid when I was, I knew that I was a sort of an, an addict like early on in my life. Like once I started, I was like, I'm in this, I'm, I'm, you know, and for years it was perfect for me. Like it worked like I was, I needed an outlet and it was, it fit the bowl. But I remember when I was like probably like 17 or 18, and I was sitting there and I was miserable, terribly depressed, just, just miserable. And I remember saying to somebody, you know, the interesting thing about being a drug addict is that we tend to forget the pain. But the interesting thing in like life is all we focus on is the pain and, and have a hard time focusing on the positive. And as a drug addict, all you focus on is like, the getting high part. You don't think about the other shit. So it's just so interesting that I've lived on both sides of the coin. Um, anyway, back to your stuff. I just, I, 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 there's a, there's a quote that I read and I'm just, I don't know if this was coming from you, but I do think that it, it was from you because I, I was doing some research before our show and, and there was something that I think came out of your mouth to reach the success we've always dreamed of. We must become obsessed with the understanding failure. So I used to keep a journal. When I was playing soccer, every practice of every game, and I'd go home afterwards and I'd write down exactly what happened. And to your point, it was all the negatives, right? It was all the places I fucked up, like mispassed, mistouch, bad decision. It was just pages and pages and pages of the negative. And at the moment, it was just my gut reaction. But I think it did me like good in some sense because I became very comfortable with failing. I became very comfortable with like, you're going to fuck up all the time. I guess like, this is the evidence of it, right? A page I still have in my fucking uh, attic. But yeah, man, I, I, I think about that kind of stuff a lot. I think your point on like looking at the positives is really important. It's an interesting take. I hadn't really thought about that. But at the same time, if you just obsess on the positives, you don't learn from the negatives, right? If you're just like, I'm crushing it. Like, I'm always so good. I'm, all I am is great, right? It, you, there's no desire to go to go beyond. There's no There's no view that there is a beyond because it's like, all I do is good stuff. It's just fantastic, you know? So it's a tough line to, to walk. And uh, this is a bit of a tangent, but like 
had a baby, you know, as you know, about a year ago. And these self-reflections have been much more important to me these days because I look at having a kid as almost like the ultimate test of who I've become as a person, mm-hmm. right? Like my whole life, I've been like obsessed with improvement and optimization and learning from failures. And like now is the time where it actually matters, right? Like from when I was like just a single dude, like he's a fuck. If I fail, like no one's really going to care about me, right? But like this moment now with a kid is like, I've got to hopefully like influence her with all the good stuff I've learned over the years, right? And so all those, like those things you're talking about, right? Like bop around my head all the time these days because I feel like now is the moment where it matters the most. Um, or, you know, you can't fail this one. This is this one you can't fail at, right? Like you got no second shot with, with it. You got to make mm-hmm. sure this kid isn't, is awesome or not a fuck up or whatever it is. Um, and so, yeah, man, you're bringing up a lot of thoughts. <laughs> I want to just mention that I do believe without a question of a doubt that paying attention to your failures is 100% necessary on the path to greatness. And the way you don't succeed is by brushing it under the rug, right? However, because I I come from a fight background, right? I think about it as a fighter in the ring. And you'll see this with fighters, right? There's defensive fighters and there's offensive fighters. For me, I've always been told like, hold my fucking ground specifically because I'm a small guy. Right. So like, I know for a fact that if I don't take control of the center of the ring and hold my ground and don't step back, I'm kind of screwed because I, I'm gonna, not only am I, but I'm, I'm small. I've got to stay close to the person. I've got to, they've got to, they've got to feel this, not this. They've got to feel that with me because I'm small and I'm always trying to get close And if I think about that in life, right, like it's a lot harder to knock me down if I am on my toes in an offensive position. If I'm on my flats of my feet or even worse on my heels because I'm I'm nervous about getting hit and like I don't want to get hit and that's my mentality. It's like, wait, no, I'm going to go in and this guy's super fucking creative and I just don't want to get hit. It's so hard to win by just trying to not lose. I completely agree with you. That's a really interesting analogy, by the way. And I think it's really pertinent. Um, maybe it's a matter of like <clears throat> timing or, 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 or sequencing, right? So I think in the moment, what you're saying is you can't think about your failures or the negatives in that moment. Because if you are, you're going to get smacked around, right? All you're obsessed with is, is, is the fear and they're going to come after you. I think it's like when you're in it, when you're in that moment, when you're in the in the meeting, in the fight, in the whatever, you've got to be positive and and and, and roll with failure and brush things off and kind of get get after it. You got to watch the tape. Well said, right? You need that debrief moment where you're like, "All right, what went well? What didn't go well? How do I learn next time?" I think that's that's what a lot of people don't do, right? They'll just like move on to the next thing, move on to the next thing, move on to the next thing. They don't learn from that that reflection. One thing I've learned along the way is you got to be patient. Patience is the most important virtue I've learned over my years here. Because I always think like, you got to win this one or you don't win this one, it's all over, right? Or if you fail this time, it's, it's, it's it. But it's not that, man. It's a culmination of all these things. And you got to have that patience and that long view to know that I have the time to learn from my failures and grow because there's going to be a next time. 
there's gonna be another opportunity. I, I, I gotta be ready for that one because I can't fuck that one up again, right? And if you just think about the one one and done, you don't think about the future or the long haul or the patient's view, you know, you can't really grow, but also get really depressed, I think, because all, all you're focused on is that, you know, moment in time. So um, I think there's so many cool things, you know, going on in this intersection that, uh, you know, is, is the essence, frankly, I think of, of, of grit and grinding through it all. Again, this is back to your question, like born or made. I've always had this like innate interest in building building companies. Like being an entrepreneur was always just like really just I wouldn't say like cool thing. It was like it was like a need. It was like a, it was like a, it was like a, a this beacon like pulling me in that direction. It was I can't explain like you know how I think about it. It goes back a little bit maybe to my dad. You know, if I think about it hard, he was a, he's a patent lawyer. You know, patents and trademarks and worked with really interesting companies over the years. And he always told me I was kids, like, if you really want to make it, like you want to be successful, you got to build your own thing. You got to start your own company. That, that's how you're really going to make it. Maybe that's always been in my head, but point being, I've always just wanted to build something. And so coming out of school, I had an idea for a digital marketing company. I didn't know what digital marketing was. I didn't know what entrepreneurship, I didn't know anything about anything. Right. But I was like, I think this is a cool idea. I want to give it a go. So back out of law school application, you know, uh, acceptances, I was like, I'm not going to go to school. I launched my first company. and. The first one was, I'd say a flatliner, you know, it was like, it was okay. I mean, we got acquired by this company, you know, more like an aqua hire kind of saying like, Hey, come join us. And that company got acquired by Google. So that's kind of cool. But like, I don't, I didn't make any money. I didn't like, I wasn't like successful as you would define it. Right. As so the running part actually comes in going through that journey. I got really depressed because I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to start a company and then you become successful. Like that's how it works. Right. Like that's, it's, that's the step, right. You just start it. And it works. And I got really depressed, like really depressed. And, um, you know, I, I, the company was really, it was hard, right? I wasn't getting paid anything. So, you know, I moved back to, to my parents' place. I sold my car. I took a part-time job delivering pizza for a while in the middle of it all. Like I was just like hanging on for dear life, which is a point I'll, I'll go back to what you made earlier. But my dad's like, you gotta get back into like training. You gotta get, you gotta go running. You gotta like get endorphins going again to not be like a depressed shit sitting here just just miserable it's like running no man like running is to train for a sport i don't go just run right i was like all right fine, i'm gonna go went out and did like you know you know typical story right? a mile and then okay two miles and then three and then five and then i was like this is awesome like the way i feel after this is incredible and so i did my first half marathon i was like well how far can i push it that became marathons and a bunch of those i was like well iron man sounds harder let's do let's try one of those and so you know for 10, 12 years, just basically spent a ton of time training for marathons and Ironman races and really fell in love with the endurance sports side of things. Um, being an endurance athlete is a different sort of like switch you got to flip is, as an athlete. You know, you got to be really comfortable alone. You got to be really comfortable at like long hours and that, you know, comfortable not in the spotlight. Nothing's cool about doing middle of the pack marathons or Ironman races. No one cares about you. It's not very Instagram friendly. Just like you're out there by yourself, you know? But that was a really, like, I think, transformative part of my life too. Just kind of learning those lessons, running, biking, letting your mind wander, you know, having those moments. Um, and and so for me, you know, 10,000 really is that intersection of that personal, personal experience and passion of fitness and athletics over the course of a life. And, and professional, you know, experience, which was basically launching a bunch of companies after college. For a while, I was in venture capital. I worked for a family office doing their seed and series A investing. We invested in Everlane and Warby Parker and cool businesses like that. So when I launched 10,000, it was really this kind of intersection of who I am as a person, 
and what I got pretty good at professionally. So it's, you know, some, I say it sometimes and it sounds a little cheesy, but like, I think 10,000 for me is why I'm here kind of, you know, that sounds super over the top of it, but like, I think it's, it's, it's that, it's that final puzzle piece that came together from all these different experiences. Um, before I stop rambling, I want to go back to one thing you said earlier about, you know, if you're focused on failure, you know, you're, you're not, you're not, you're not winning. You're not going, you're just, you're just, you're just trying not to die. Right. That was, that was a lesson I learned in my first company. It was tough, right? I mean, I was 22 trying to figure out how to fucking build a business, but I was so afraid of failing that all we did was just try not to die. There was no innovation. There was no progress, man. There was no growth. It was just like, I was, I was on my heels, right? I was that guy on my heels trying to be like, just don't hit me. Please don't hit me. And in the end, I got hit really fucking hard, you know, in any way. And so the takeaway from that for me was like, kind of, you said, like, you got to be on the front foot and you got to go for it because you're going to get hit anyway, you know? So might as well kind of be bracing for it. I mean, that's incredible. I, that, that's, that's, that is what this is, is, right? Like people don't listen in necessarily to, to hear me blabber. It's about, about bringing on, bringing on awesome guests that really have inspired me, man. Like I, 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 you know, I, I, I've been talking with you guys at 10,000 for years, I think, you know, probably, I think we probably started talking in 2016, 17, something like that. And, you know, I've watched what, what you have done, like seeing 10,000 on dudes across the country, everywhere I go and seeing that, seeing that X everywhere and just knowing that the guys behind it are awesome dudes that work their fucking asses off. I mean, I remember, you know, our first meeting in a small little, I think it was potentially a WeWork. And then our second meeting was in another office that was like six of you. And then another meeting was in another office. How you were like out, you were growing. And I was just like, you know, this is watching the witnessing. It is so cool. Really means a lot coming from you. You've seen a lot, you've done a lot, you know, a lot of interesting people. The fact that you think we're cool is, is, is really inspiring to me, honestly, because you know, it's sometimes hard, right? Like you get in in your, in your little hole and you just like go, right? And it's like the next step, the next challenge, the next fire is all you think about. But, you know, it's really kind of cool for me now, you know, the company's growing and I'm not so day to day anymore. Like I can kind of step back and, and, and have chats like this and, 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 you know, seeing the bigger picture, you know, honestly, for the first time kind of ever. I mean, I don't know how, you know, it all came together, really. I could, if I was to map it out, it'd be like this disaster of a, of a, of a graph. It was not a clean line by any means, you know, it, it's, it's been hard. It's been, it's been tough, but man, it, it, it's really kind of cool to see like a person in the world. I still get giddy when some dude who I don't know wears our gear. Right. It's cause I still think like only people I know really give a shit. Really, <laughs> I actually, I had a call. One thing we do is uh, I try to reach out to like 10 or 15, like customers or interesting, you know, top customers or interesting customers a month and ask for phone calls or resume calls these days, right? Just to stay connected, to learn, to talk to folks. Um, I think it's actually a big pillar of our business is our, our our repeat customer base. Like not to get nerdy, but like every month over half of our revenue and orders are repeat customers. So like it is really amazing little engine of just loyal, diehard customers. It almost becomes like a like subscription business right now for like a, like a recurring revenue business. It's really interesting how that's happened. By the way, nurturing that's very important to us. And so I have these calls with these guys, you know, and has called this dude this morning, like super successful guy, like 50 years old, like fit as hell. He's like, man, what you guys do is just like awesome. Like no one does what you guys are doing. The products are incredible. I love the story. It's good to connect. He like was like 
fanboying with me a little bit. And I was like, this is, this is weird, dude. Like I'm no one of interest, but having those connections, you know, really is, is, is inspiring and keeps the fire going. Absolutely. I love that you say that as you're talking to me, I had a really long conversation with my team. Uh, I mean, I have long conversations with my, I'm launching a new business, right? And so, and I'm launching a business in, not in your direct space. I'm not launching a fitness apparel brand, but I'm launching a direct to consumer packaged goods company. And Which I'm psyched about, by the way, I can't, I can't wait to see it on them. Thanks, man. Yeah. I, I, I should get a, a combo with you offline just to talk to you more about it, but um, it's coming close. And I put together this pretty epic team, super lean and mean, but you know, one, my CMO was former CMO of RX bar. And so we're talking the other day and we're talking about, um, you know, uh, customer support and trying to figure out how we're going to manage, you know, the the inflow of, of customer support and whether, you know, our co-packers are they are, you know, our fulfillment center, are, are they going to take on some of the, you know, some of that? Uh, are we going to hire an outsourced uh, third party to do it? Are we going to do it? And my CMO says, you know. The founder of RX answered all of the, had his cell phone number on the bar. And it reminded me that in the beginning of the meatball shop and Seymour's, the info at meatball shop or info at Seymour's emails came right into my email. So I spent the majority of my time while I was in the restaurant and out of the restaurant responding to people personally. And I think that that... You know, when you buy a, a, a when you buy a piece of clothing from Patagonia and you bring it back to Patagonia because the zipper malfunctioned, they all look at you with a smile and say, go pick out whatever you want. Um, anytime I go in there with any problem ever could be anything. They look at me, they smile, they take it and they say, go grab whatever you want. And that's that thing. That's that that's the distinguishing element of what, you know, good and great companies have to offer. I love that you connect with your top customers. My co-founder and I did this thing where we just two of us at the beginning, you know, we personally emailed with the first thousand customers, like not like, Hey, you know, customer service came in and we answered them. Like we sent a personal email to every single person after their purchase and be like, Hey, what do you like? What don't you like? Talk to me. Tell me what's going on. We were doing that because we were idiots. Like we didn't know anything about launching an apparel company, right? And we needed to learn fast. But that's become part of the DNA of the business and part of what I love doing. And not just part of the DNA, but like I think to your point about Patagonia, like something that we think is a major differentiator and 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 competitive advantage is because we are like a lot of brands say, oh, we're DTC, so we're close to our customers. But they don't really give a shit. They just say they're close to their customers because they don't have retail middlemen. They don't actually like truly engage on a deep level. We've tried to like just be as obsessive and as close as we possibly can to our customers because we want to make the best possible gear and the best possible experience for them, right? Like in, in that process, I've come to really love it. It's incredible to talk to people, you know, who who spend their hard-earned money on your stuff. When you were in the restaurant business, I mean sure you said that all the time. But like they can go anywhere, right? Like they can go spend money anywhere and do anything. They made a conscious choice to come into your restaurant or to our site. And just to have that chat with someone is, I think, the coolest part about being in this kind of business, honestly. And it gives me such energy and beyond just like the tactical takeaways. It, it's just like a shitload of fun. 
the connectivity to the customer in the restaurant industry, we say guest is where the magic happens. It's that moment where the owner of the restaurant walks over to the table and says, thank you. It's that moment where the, the, you know, the guests are walking out of the restaurant and every single person that's working in the restaurant does their best to make eye contact and say, thank you for being here. Um, you know, it's those little things. And, and then of course, in your business, you know, when somebody buys, um, buy something from you to get a note that's not annoying trying to resell necessarily but a note that says thank you that's incredible i think that this has been such an awesome conversation i want to ask you what is it and we we, we kind of touched on this i kind of feel like i know where you stand in the born or made arena but if you could point at something what is it that drives you? I think there's a couple of things that if I was to really sort of pinpoint it down to something. I think there's a level of narcissism in all of us that a lot of us ignore or 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 are afraid of. We all believe we're better than who we were yesterday, right? Or who we, you know, we believe we can be. I've leaned into that like incredibly thoroughly. I'm not saying I'm a narcissist where I like, you know, hate, you know, like in definition, but like this belief in myself that I can kind of do anything has been a driver of a component of my of my being, right? By no means have I actualized that yet, right? Actually the opposite. But this this belief that I can I can and I should have the tools to go do something great is just at my core. And I don't know why or how that got there, but it but it is. And part of it's like I just need to go prove that to myself that I can do that. I can be that guy. So part of the motivator is like I need to check that box that I I can I can do it. Right. Another big piece for me is I probably would say, honestly, is like the through line to kind of all the things I've tried in my life is like, I want to go do hard things to prove to myself I can be better than I, than I, than I have been, whether that's going to a new experience in Italy, whether that's trying to push myself into marathons and Ironmans, like just pushing that bar, starting companies. Like I've always kind of just jumped into the hardest thing I can think of, partly because I want to prove myself that I, I can do it. Right. That's like a broad motivator. But I'd say today, you know, in terms of 10,000 specifically, one major driver is our team. You know, who the team we built at 10,000 is like, I'm sure like your guys is like just an amazing group of folks. And they're all in, like they're 100% committed to the future of the business. And I want to win for them now too, right? I want to make this not just like a job they had and a paycheck they collected, but like a thing that they helped create and make real. And like, I want to be successful. so. You know, they can go on and do other cool shit in their lives and, and whatever else it may be. Part of the tactical day-to-day motivator for me is like, let's go do some cool shit together, guys. You know, if that makes sense. I am not afraid to do hard things. And it's not that I don't appreciate them being challenging and difficult, but I don't, when it comes to opening a business, I am not afraid of it. I'm not, I don't walk in thinking, oh my God, this is, you know, I'm just like, I, you know, like I, I, my body language, I tend to do this a lot in my body language. And I think that this just means that like, I want to, I'm going for it at all fucking times. And so how do you process fear today when it comes up? Because I'm sure as an entrepreneur and a CEO of a company that's actually crushing it, um, how do you process fear today? And, and, and is it different than how you processed fear yesterday? 
Yeah, the short answer is yes. Um, and this is, again, going back to the born or made question or nature nurture question, right? It's like, I don't think of myself as an extrovert. I don't think of myself as a charismatic, like, you know, I'm going to talk to people and be the next kind of person by any means. But I've gotten really good at that. Like, not just toot my own horn or whatever, but like I, I can have investor conversations and, you know, team rallying conversations and like... And, but my point is to your fear question is those kind of interactions were always really fear inducing to me, like going back. Right. Like I remember, you know, my first couple of companies or whatever, like I'd pitch investors and literally be like, like shaking nervous, like, like physically nervous, right. And fearful and, and afraid that I was going to say something stupid or mumble or make a mistake. You know, I, I would say, not say now I'm not afraid of those things, but I think I've just, you know, through just doing them over and over and over again and getting better at them and purposefully trying to get better at those things, you lose that fear, that element of fear, right? And, and, and you become more comfortable. I would say to get over it, you know, just kind of doing the hard thing as many times as possible until you're, kind of, until you're kind of over it. But I think there's an element innately, though, that will put you back in that situation the next time, right? Because a lot of people will be like, I'm afraid, I'm nervous, I don't want to do this thing, it sucked, I'm not going to do it again. And so that's like, I think the, 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 the nurture bit where it's like throwing you back into the fire, like you're okay. You're, I'm, I'm going to be afraid again. I'm going to be nervous again. It's going to suck again. I'm going to try it. I'm going to go back and do it. Right. And then the nature bit is you get over that by just doing, I think over and over and over and over and over again until you're, until you're pretty comfortable at it or, or, or fear is no longer the preeminent sort of feeling you have when you think of those things. Habits are everything. They will make us or break us. Uh, are there any habits that you can point to that have made you the man you are today? Really good question. And it's actually something I struggle with a lot because I agree with your first part of your sentence that this habits are, are critical to success and who we are. I've always struggled though to develop habits in, in my day, right? I mean, I have like, you know, they're not like they're fine, like basic. Like, I mean, I'm at my desk by 7.30 or 8 in the morning every day. That's like a habit. And so I, I, I prioritize that over everything else. But like my morning routine is different every day. Um, you know, I never was able to get into 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 habits really like on a daily basis. You know, I, I have like I'm obsessive like note taker and like list maker. That's a habit that I I I bring you know to everything I do and I organize myself kind of like externally and that I couldn't couldn't live without. Those are like boring habits. I mean, you know, I'm not the kind of person that's like I'm up at four, I'm drinking the smoothie, I'm doing this thing, I'm meditating, and then this, that, and the other. I really aspire to be that guy but it's always been a struggle for me to kind of actualize that. You're that guy, aren't you? You're, you're that morning habit guy. I'm a habit machine. I think it's the coolest thing. It just, I've, I've, maybe I'm lazy and haven't been able to pull it off, but like, what's, what's your key to it? Like, how do you make that happen? Like, how do you figure out what that's going to be? And then how do you like take this step in making it reality? <sighs> if you didn't know the game of football, you just see a bunch of dudes like running all over the place, like smashing into each other, like just running chaotically, like no, you know, no order. However, it's quite the opposite. Every single person that is moving has a very, very distinct plan and objective, and they know exactly where they're going and how they're getting there and how many steps to take, how to turn around. You know, they know exactly what is happening. And that is how I think about habits in my life. Life is, I have no control over 
the weather, what people think, the wind, the the train, the you know, um, you know, my son having a meltdown. I, I I have zero control over any of that shit. Ninety five percent of life, I've got no control over. However, I do have control over what my morning looks like, and I know that if I win in the morning. My chances of having a much more uh, settling day, meaning like I, I organize the line of scrimmage in the morning and I know that like I know exactly where I'm going and I have complete control over it. And that gives me that that order and that sort of regimented, you know, discipline gives me an opportunity to manage all the other invariable, you know, variables throughout the day. And so I just know like that structure for me is integral to my success. And, and it was given to me at, a, at an early age, you know, once I decided to change my life, I knew that I needed to stick to a plan that was not of my own understanding, a plan that other people suggested for me. And I did. And that's when everything changed. Have your habits in the morning changed over the years or has it been the same? The general structure, I'm getting up earlier and earlier the older I get. I'm getting up earlier and I'm also going to bed earlier. That's changed, right? Like I am up at five o'clock in the morning every single day. Just, you know, and I don't have an alarm. Like I just do it. But I've added things over time that I wouldn't change for the world. And some of those habits are really unique. And some people would find to be like totally ridiculous, but they work. And, and so I, I do believe that habits are everything. Dude, I'm, I'm so inspired by that. And again, it's something I've always struggled with and inspired to take on. So I, I think one takeaway from this chat is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a go again and try to, try to set myself up for success in the morning in a, in a better way. I, I, think, I think it's important. I really do. Well, look, man, I'm launching a business called Creatures of Habit. And so habits are everything for me. Um, you are the man. I am. I'm a. I'm. I'm. I'm grateful that you gave me your time. B. I'm grateful to be. You know, some some little tiny piece of the company that you've created. I. I am. I'm. I'm honored and grateful to be a part of. Thank you. I got to finish with the question that I always ask. Do you think you were born or made? If I was to pick one, if I had to put my finger on one side, I'd say made. Wow, I'm surprised. I thought you were going to say born. I love when I'm wrong. I think I was born with some key variables, key ingredients, if you will. But I think the journey has been long and it's it's forged uh, who I am today. And so I said I, I, I'd have to choose. I mean, it's a tough question, right? It's a tough question. But I, I'd have to choose that side if I was to push it. Wow. What an awesome episode with Keith Nowak of 10,000. We really covered so many different things. We talked a lot about failure. We talked a lot about perspective, using fear as an asset, as opposed to fear and failure as an asset, as opposed to a liability. I loved that episode. I really hope you did too. Do me a favor. It would mean the absolute world to me if you were to share this podcast. We are really trying to grow this thing. 
I really am trying to get it in front of as many people as possible. If you could share this podcast with your friends, your family, your coworkers, it would mean the world to me. And if you were to hop over to Apple Podcast and give me a five-star rating, ideally, and a review, that would also mean the world. I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. I love doing this damn podcast. It really, it really is a is a such a nice way for me to break up my week every week and meet with really interesting people. So uh, I want to keep doing it, and I appreciate you guys for being a part of this journey. Love you. Until the next one, peace.